Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats weekly podcast number 39. Yeehaw! I'm your host, Dan Matson, aka Wooden Boat Dan, aka Dan the Man. And this is the world's first podcast fully, completely, 110% committed and dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, and tradition, don't forget the tradition, of wooden boats. Welcome to the show, folks. If you're new, I hope you have a blast today. If you're a return listener, you're already having fun, and that's a good thing. I'm sitting in my son's 5 by 9 bedroom. Actually, he doesn't live in it anymore, but we converted a porch into a 5 by 9 bedroom with an overhead bunk and put up a little ladder, and it's a pretty cool little room. It's kind of like living on a boat, so it's very suitable for doing my podcasting. Today's featured segment is an interview with Howard Rice, and I would uh, encourage you to Google Howard Rice, and uh, one of the first things that will come up is an article or information about him in Wikipedia. I don't like the name Wikipedia, but anyway, there's a lot of information there. And there's an article there about Howard Rice, who is most notably... In 89, late 89 and 1990, he sailed his 15-foot clepper canoe around Cape Horn and back. Three-and-a-half-month voyage, freezing temperature, snow, uh, several capsizes, one hospitalization. Only guy that's ever done that in that type of boat. Anyway, today's interview is with Howard, so I would encourage you to stick around for that. I would also love it if you would uh, connect with me through email. That email address is dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. You can subscribe to my e-news list at hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash subscribe. You can leave comments on my blog, which is at hookedonwoodenboats.com. And the blog is actually show notes and a place to play the podcast. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest as Wooden Boat Dan. So please send me pictures, stories, other information. And I would also love it if you would call and leave me some feedback, comments, questions, anything on my voicemail feedback hotline, 424-261-2360. Again, that's 424-261-2360. And you can also subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, on the uh, store, iTunes store. If you go to the podcast section, you can find me there and subscribe. Or you can subscribe directly from my website by clicking on the RSS button. This has been another fun-filled week in the wooden boat world. I was not able to attend any wooden boat festivals this past weekend, but I did work on my own canoe, which is really fun. I um, 
cut out and installed the two bulkheads in the canoe and filleted those in place with thickened epoxy and also put fillets in my stern and bow. And so then I was able to take the wires out of those sections. So the rest of the boat is all stitched together. And my next step will be to fill the lap stitch joints with thickened epoxy. So I hope to do that this week. I am keeping track of my hours and costs on the boat. And so far I'm 36 hours into it. And costs, I think I'm at about 300 so I'm anticipating when I'm all done, I'll be 50 hours into the boat and probably about $400 roughly, uh, which the kit's about 1000 But one of the things I'm learning is I don't think I would buy the same plywood again. I bought the knockoff version of a Kumi 1088 4mm plywood, and there's voids in it, and the plies aren't uh, all even in depth or width I guess you would say so I think it's going to be fine but I, I would spend twice as much next time and get the real BS 1088 standard from Europe I think and hopefully get better results there the other thing I did is I used galvanized wire, galvanized wire for all my stitching instead of copper and I wish I'd use copper because I think copper is a little bit softer so it's easier on your hands uh, it's less likely to ding the boat up, easier to get in and out, that sort of thing. So I kind of got in a hurry. I was trying to save a couple bucks and went with the galvanized. So next, thing I, next time I would spend a little more and go with the copper. So that's the update on the Sassafras Canoe. Projected date of completion is July 5th or 6th. 5th, I guess. Reason being is on the 6th we're going to go... Uh, over to Hood's Canal and do some fun stuff and I want to have the boat ready for that. So that's a scoop there. I did get notification this week from Stitcher Radio that my podcast has been officially added to Stitcher Radio. So if you, uh, if you use Stitcher Radio, uh, please look me up on there and subscribe through Stitcher Radio. That would be really cool. And I'm also, as I mentioned before, working on a new graphic for my podcast artwork and for my website and for some t-shirts and hats and I've just about got that done actually I've hired a graphic artist to do it and she's doing a great job for me Jenny Hampson if you'd like her information uh, shoot me an email and I'll pass that on uh, she also does the podcast answer man uh, graphics and some other people I know so that's almost done so I'm pretty excited about that the other cool thing that I'm officially going to be presenting at the Port Townsend Wooden Boat Festival on September 9th is a Sunday. Pretty sure I have that correct, that that is the Sunday after Labor Day. And I'll be doing about a 45-minute presentation in one of the rooms there at the Northwest Maritime Center. So I'm really excited about that. Hopefully between now and then, I'll get my son Josh... We'll hook up together and he'll do a few short videos of me interviewing some folks and uh, play those and talk about my show and about wooden boats, what else. So that's pretty fun stuff. Upcoming events, uh, the Wooden Boat Show at Mystic Seaport, Connecticut, June 29th to July 1st. 
Center for Wooden Boats, Wooden Boat Festival, June 30th to July 4th in Seattle. I plan on attending that and hopefully doing some interviews there. And I'm going to try to connect with Dan Leach ahead of time to get some stuff lined up. August 6th through the 17th is the SCAMP building class with Howard Rice, John Wellsford, Josh Colvin, Scott Jones. They're all going to be there to help you build a SCAMP. I would really encourage you to check that out. You can go to the Northwest Maritime Center's website or to Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building for more information there. And then September 1st through the 4th is the Small Craft Skills Academy that Howard Rice puts on. And I've heard very good things about the class, and you can get more information there. Uh, that particular academy is in Port Townsend, Washington, but he's doing them other places in the U.S. and around the world now. And in fact, he's going to be talking about that during the podcast today or the interview. And you can also go to smallcraftacademy.com to get more information about that. If you go to my website, there's other events that I have posted there for wooden boat things. And if you'd like me to add some events to that, please send them to me. And if they're appropriate, I will go ahead and add them there. But don't send me one that says, you know, square dancing Thursday night on a wooden floor in Tampa, Florida at midnight. For people over 60 or... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not worth sure where that came from. Next up here is an interview with Howard Rice, small boat adventurer. I had a really good interview with Howard. He's a really fun guy, very focused, very intentional with his words, a very smart guy. He's done some really cool things. And you will hear in the background of the podcast, you will hear some talking going on, kind of muffled talking. And the deal is, is there was a parade in Port Townsend the day I did the interview. And so that's what you're hearing in the background noise. But you can still hear Howard pretty well. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Let's go ahead and get started. So it is May 19th, 2012. I'm sitting with Howard Rice. Uh, we're at the Northwest Maritime Center in Port Townsend, Washington. Uh, welcome to the show, Howard. Thank you very much, Dan. Appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, so uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and what are you up to these days? Well, that's a... I'll try to go... <laughs> Loaded <over>, question. <laughs> I'll try to go to the short story. Okay. Um, I live... Uh, I've lived in Micronesia on the island of Ponape for the last 17 years. And I split my time. My wife and I have a home in Kanazawa, Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work as the special assistant to the governor of Pompeii State, and uh, I'm working on a uh, major sustainable development initiative called the World Park. Okay. Uh, tonight I'm going to do a little brief on that. I'm making a presentation here on sailing, but I have a real job, and this is sort of what I do uh, yeah. out of passion. I see. Okay. So where are you from originally, Howard? I was born in Virginia mm-hmm. and uh, grew up in the states of Minnesota, Utah, and Michigan. Okay. Um, and I've lived out of the United States for the better part of my adult life. So uh, I've lived in Europe, lived in the Caribbean, Central America, and the last 17 years in Micronesia and Japan. Okay. So uh, when did you first start getting interested in boating and adventurous type of things? Since I can remember being. <laughs> and then there were a few geographic points along the way that 
I think, at least to me, are uh, quite remarkable. I, I'm, I'm an educator. I, I've just finished a career as a, as a college professor. Oh. Um, and so I appreciate uh, the academic world. Uh, yeah. In, uh, when I was in the fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher uh, gave the class a project uh, to list 100 things we would like to do or accomplish in our lives. And um, oddly enough, at my age, I've managed to hang on to that list, which I've now transcribed because the paper wore out. I've done 27 of those things. Really? <laughs> a number of them I'll never, will never do. I'll never walk on the moon. You know, there are a number of things. But one of those things was to, for example, uh, climb a very high mountain. And I solo climbed the Eiger Mountain in Switzerland among other things and I uh, had a dream of sailing around Cape Horn on the uh, Peking uh, which was the Irving Johnson uh, clipper ship okay I was very influenced by seeing a film of that I didn't do that but I did manage to take a boat around Cape Horn solo some years ago yeah yeah so that's been my driving force I can remember dreaming about the water since I can remember being as I said. yeah so was your family into boating when you were a kid not at all no no, I have uh, vivid memories of my father, who was a pilot, uh, taking my older brother and I fishing uh, on a, with a small aluminum boat and stepping from the dock to the boat, and in goes Dad with the engine and the drink. He runs home and changes his clothes. The mechanic, you know, gets the spark plugs emptied out. Dad comes back, foot on the gunnel, foot on the dock. Second time, we've laughed about it our entire lives. <laughs> so, no, I have no genetic predisposition to uh, really? water. I acquired it uh, just through trial and error. Yeah, okay. So uh, your biggest adventure, or one of your biggest adventures, was sailing around Cape Horn and back in a, a Klepper canoe. Is that right? Uh, yes. Um, I used a Klepper Arius 1, okay. a 15-foot wood canvas uh, sailing canoe. Um, and I, I've done a number of ocean voyages and small boats and still do. Yeah, okay. So tell me about that particular one. Uh, what year was that? And tell me a little bit about the adventure and how you trained for it. Uh, well, it's, uh, thank you for asking. It's been so long ago that um, I'm surprised anybody even is interested. <laughs> uh, I did that and uh, began planning for that. I did a three-year run-up to that trip of training. I did it in uh, 1989 and 90. Okay. Uh, and I ended up doubling Cape Horn. Uh, east to west and west to east. Uh, I was three and a half months remote, uh, and um, it was a great adventure. It was sort of the fulfillment of a very quiet adventure, fulfillment of a, one of my life dreams from my list of things I wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So were you sailing and paddling? or Yes. Okay. I did three things on that trip. Uh, <laughs> it's very funny. Predominantly, I... Um, stayed on in my tent on land on a number of occasions. It was just too rough. Yeah. And I would have little windows of opportunity, and I would sail or paddle uh, as the uh, conditions presented themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. So did you encounter some pretty high seas when you were out on the water, I suppose? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and capsizes and things? or Two capsizes, um, one at Cape Horn and one at uh, a place called Bahia Haley, uh, Bahia Haley, which... Um, Neither one of them were that much fun. Yeah, I bet. What was the, what was the uh, water and air temperature when you were out there? You know, I don't know what the water temperature was, but I've been told anecdotally since then it was in the high 30s. Um, you know, I was at the iceberg zone. Uh, the air temperature ranged from, I suppose some days were 
low 50s. Uh, I had a number of days during that three and a half months where I had snow squalls. I predominantly had snow squalls wow. during that time. So it was, yeah. it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you were in a dry suit or? I was in a dry suit. Um, spray skirt on. Dry suit, spray skirt. I looked like a very wrinkled white prune when I was finished. <laughs> I had a lot of, well, actually, I had a minor injury, but my predominant injury was a constant uh, fight with saltwater sores, and my hands really took a hit. Uh, but other than that, I came out fairly well. I had some other, I had, I had an injury, but uh, I was able to be treated in uh, Ushuaia, Argentina mm-hmm. uh, for that. I see, yeah. So what are some of the other uh, sailings or adventures you've done over the years, Howard, that, that uh, were pretty memorable for you? Hmm. Well, I used to be a big boat sailor. Okay. I used to race, uh, do a lot of racing okay. on what at the time was called the IOR uh, formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, one design classes, I raced snipes and penguins and uh, a number of other boats, uh, lasers in college. I was a student at Michigan State University. Um, as my life progressed... I got away from big boats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, as I evolved as a person, I became more and more thoughtful through time, and I stopped relating to five days in an offshore race with 11 hungry, smelly, egotistical wild men. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel much more at home with the sort of folks that are here today at the Northwest Maritime Center. Yeah. Uh, very nice folks. This is sort of the world I'm in now, the small boat world. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think now I would aptly say that um, I'm more of a, an ocean voyaging canoe sailor mm-hmm. uh, and tiny boat sailor. I've done a number of voyages in uh, the British Mirror Dinghy, which is 10 feet, 10 inches long. Wow. I rig my boats with uh, tents. I often sleep aboard uh, my sailing canoe. Um, which I'll be presenting tonight in this presentation. Yeah. Uh, some folks look at that and scratch their heads and say, what in the world is that? Uh, but I, I like to sleep aboard at sea in tiny, tiny boats. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about some of the adventures you've done on your 10-foot, 10-inch, uh, what you call that? A- uh, it's a mirror dinghy. Mirror dinghy, yeah. I've uh, cruised uh, from uh, northern Lake Michigan up through Lake Huron into the North Channel, Georgian Bay, down the length of Lake Huron to uh, Detroit. Um, I've crossed Lake Huron, I've crossed Lake Michigan. I've sailed the Main Island Trail. I've sailed on the Chesapeake. I figure I've done about 6,000 miles in that boat. Uh, wow. Sometimes sleeping on shore and sometimes aboard. I also sail a Rhodes Robin, a Philip Rhodes, uh, one of his more elegant small boats, 10 feet, 10 inches long, and I have that boat rigged up uh, with a tent as well. My sailing canoe is a custom-built boat that I built uh, with uh, my friends uh, Mead Gujan of West Epoxy fame in the the Bay City Gujan Boat Shop, and that's one of a group of about six prototypes we built. It's a carbon fiber Kevlar hull with a Spanish cedar deck Kevlar underneath, S-glass over. And I've rigged that boat up with, um, it has a fairly large cockpit, it's full airbags, I have sliding decks fore and aft, it's rigged as a sloop, Uh, I usually sail hiked out, I can steer with my feet or my hands, I can come in and uh, drop the anchor with a remote anchoring system, and then pop up a tent, I cook aboard, I roast coffee aboard, um, read books. What's the length of this boat? It's 15 feet long. And uh, it weighs about 55 pounds empty. Okay. And I 
I don't do too many ocean voyages in it. Uh, I often go from the island of Pompeii where I live out through, uh, I look out at the ocean from my home, out through Palakir Pass to Pakin Atoll, which is not far, it's about 25 miles. And then uh, I'll go from Pakin to Ant Atoll, another 15 and then about 35 miles back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I explore the Lagoon Islands and that sort of thing. So that's kind of what I do. Wow, that's, mm. that sounds fun. Wow. It's fun. Yeah. I get a lot of stares by the locals. They think I'm crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah, really, really. So uh, tell me, uh, I was talking to Josh Colvin earlier, and he said you called him last year sometime and said, hey, I've been reading about or heard about this scant boat. Mm. Uh, so talk to me about your interest in that project and mm. what you're doing there. Well, it was actually a couple, more than a couple of years ago. Was it? Okay. Uh, hmm. It must have been September of, uh, what is that, about two and a half years ago. I was working with uh, a naval architect from Genoa, Italy, on a small uh, cruising design for a particular trip I have in mind. Um, and we were plugging through the process of co-designing this boat. I happened to open up a Small Craft Advisor magazine, and I saw that John Wellsford had penned uh, the scamp, this new design. And there were a number of elements in that design that uh, matched what I was doing with Flavio Falocci, the Italian designer. Our process was dragging on, and I had a window for when I wanted to have the design done and the boat built. And I said, well, hey, it's a different design, but it'll do the same thing, and the prototype is about to be built. I understood the boat immediately. Uh, because I'm a small boat guy, mm-hmm. I've, I've gone from I've graduated from large to small. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so I contacted Josh and I asked him about the boat. He said, "Well, we're going to build it and launch it." Well, foolish or not, I immediately purchased hull number two and hull number three. Really? Yes. And uh, the purpose would be to build number three as the standard boat because I understood the design. And then number two, to build it a little bit differently, but essentially it'll be 95% scamp, but a more rugged boat purpose-built for an ocean voyage that I'm going to do next year. Then uh, Josh launched the boat and invited me out to do uh, a scamp assessment. And I flew in from Micronesia, arrived on December 27th in Port Townsend, and it was about 20 degrees and snowing. And I took the boat out, uh, sailed it, spent the night aboard, and was convinced that I made a good decision. Wow! Yeah, very cool. So, how, so you're building those boats now? Numbers two well, I've started, but um, you know, as life uh, happens, uh, I'm quite busy. I've got a full-time job, and I'm working uh, doing this small craft skills academy. Yeah. So I've started number three, and um, I'm going to be back here in August. Oh. Uh, co-facilitating uh, a build with a designer, a group build called the Scamp Camp. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll start my, really start the boats in October. I see. Yeah. Okay. Very Time cool. is short. Yeah, right. Yeah. Life gets busy, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell me anything about your adventure next year that you're planning, or is that kind of a... Well, <laughs> it's going to be someplace interesting. Really? Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I sure like, I don't mean to be coy about it. But I prefer the way I go about these small boat adventures mm-hmm. and explorations I do is I keep them quiet. Yeah. Uh, then I don't have any pressure That's if I can't sense. do it. Yeah. Uh, some folks roll their eyes. 
And yeah. So, yeah. But I'm very meticulous, very prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So that'll be next year sometime. My plan is for the summer of 2013, mm-hmm. and um, I can tell you it'll be a high latitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Open ocean voyage. Okay. When was your last big open ocean uh, voyage, Howard? Well, the last one, I would say, anytime I head outside the reef from Pompeii, oh. it's an open ocean voyage. Now, those little 35, well, if I calculate it up, it's about a 100-mile trip. And, and the reason I say that, even though that's a very short voyage, is that there's no rescue available, there's no Coast Guard. I'm mm. completely remote and on my own. So I, I always prepare that way. Yeah. I prefer it that way. Okay. Yeah. I've done a number of other trips through the Caribbean, sailed uh, small boats out to the Bahamas. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, a few years ago, I did the length of the Hudson River in a sailing canoe, sleeping aboard. So not open ocean. Uh, and the one before that was uh, I sailed uh, from Connecticut down east to Maine, uh, out to Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket. Uh, when I was in college, I did a voyage on a laser from Falmouth to uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket and back. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, your question is quite intriguing. I know that there are, of course, thousand-mile voyages, but yeah. I prefer these smaller, these shorter distance yeah. open ocean trips because I work, and yeah. if I can pull off two weeks here and there, yeah, I do it that way. That's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So uh, are there certain characteristics about wood boats that you like that, that fit well with what you do? Yes, um, I like wood. I've always liked wood. I, I'm not a fiberglass boat person. I've raced a lot of glass boats, but uh, wood is alive, and most importantly, wood has memory. Mm-hmm. And um, wood tends to flex and comes back to its original shape. Uh, it's very malleable. Wood feels good. Uh, my wife is Japanese. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and Japanese wood artisans believe that wood is alive, and when they're working with wood, and, and I sort of follow that same philosophy. When I'm yeah. sailing a wood boat, I feel better. I don't know why, but I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Virtually well, feels, all my boats. It feels are... a little different in the water and sounds different. And it does. It's warmer. and Yeah, it just. Well, you obviously know. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Easy question to answer. Yeah, it's all that stuff. Wood smells good, too. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So you're going to be teaching a small craft skills academy here the next few days. That's correct. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that, Howard. Okay. It's a long-held dream uh, to, well, I'm a former educator as a college professor, and uh, a couple of years ago I proposed to Josh Colvin of Small Craft Advisor that this is something I really wanted to do. And the reason is, is because I do these small boat voyages, I hear a lot of questions from people. You know, and I know, even though I'm overseas, I do try to read and keep up on what I can only call this sort of nascent small boat revival that's happening in the United States mm-hmm. and other places where all of a sudden it seemed like folks, either through economic hard times, were downsizing from larger boats, or folks are building little designs like by John Wellsford and Jim Michalak and these folks, Michael Storer. A lot of those folks are coming to boating without the requisite basic seamanship skills that mm-hmm. they need. And I kept hearing stories about, yeah, my dad and I went out on the lake in Tennessee and I almost drowned him. I gave up. Um, and I thought it was a good thing to do. But I had no idea whether there was any 
real value in it or whether any would be, anyone would be interested. Well, it took us a little bit by surprise. We rolled it out last fall at the Wooden Boat Festival here. I was in town to present at the festival, and uh, we started with one academy. It went to four, now it's seven, and uh, they've essentially sold out. There are a few spots left, and this is the second the first was held about three weeks ago in Cedar Key, Florida. Oh, really? Yeah. We had a small group of beginners. I left that as a very small group to sort of do a proof of concept, and it blew the pants off everyone for four days, so everyone learned a lot. Uh, next month, we're doing one in the Straits of Mackinac in the Great Lakes, and then Rockport, Texas. August, I'll be back here for the Scamp Build, and then there's another one here, Port Townsend 2, which starts August uh, 31st. Then we'll be in Monterey, California. And of all places, we'll be at Lake Ufala in Oklahoma. Wow. In October. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. So are you teaching that by yourself, Howard? Or you have no. somebody with you? I have, um, in Florida, I was working with Hugh Horton. Hugh Horton is a dear friend for many years, and he's, a, he's one of the pioneers in the canoe sailing world. And um, a man by the name of Steve Haynes mm-hmm. uh, was there as the beach master. Here in Port Townsend, I'm working with uh, David Craig from Prescott College in Prescott, Arizona. He's a very skilled outdoorsman uh, and an instructor. Steve Haynes is here. Uh, Doug Kelch, who's a very good uh, uh, small boat sailor, sail trim expert. So we have a very good group, but here's the but. The nature of the academy is built on uh, an educational theory that I have that I term collaborative experiential learning. So the 26 of us that convene tomorrow morning will essentially be teaching each other what we know. Hmm. The demographic of our participants are folks that have lived a life. Many of them are beginners, sailors, but they've acquired a lifetime of experience and those experiences, in my opinion, have some bearing on how they approach small boats. Uh, Most of them are beginners or they've labeled themselves intermediates, but they bring something. And each participant has been asked to prepare a topic. They've selected a topic from a topic list. And they're going to stand up and present. And then collaboratively, all of us will be giving our input and what we know about that topic. And folks are really excited about it. Uh, We're going to do classroom in this room where we're sitting now. But predominantly, we'll be out on the water. Uh, Folks have brought their own boats. Oh, Yep, and didn't uh, realize that. we're in the process today of inspecting all of them for safety purposes oh. and uh, giving tips on rigging, and it's been successful so far. It's really Ooh. been a neat concept. Yeah. So it's really about how to enjoy and safely use small boats, it kind of sounds like. Yeah, well, Dan, I know you know this, that seamanship is actually two things. It's a thought process, obviously. It's a, it's a process of having a scope of understanding about what you're about to do in the boat that you're going to use and then having situational awareness where you can get your head on your boat trimming uh, heel steering but your head is out of in front of the bow you're actually situationally aware enough to know what's coming and then the second part of seamanship tying knots uh, docking reefing all of those kinds of skills anchoring skills but our focus is on um, having a mindset for basic seamanship and safety. I see. And it seems to have resonated. That's kind of where it starts, isn't it? It really. It yeah. really is. And, and if your head's not into it, it's not going to happen. Well, <laughs> you know, respectfully to 
the many, many people out there that are sailing, we do hear stories of people getting in trouble in small boats a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and most of those incidences are preventable. Right. They really are. So we're taking a very bottom-up approach. Uh, everyone who's come to the academies has filled out a sailor's profile, and they've been, very, they've been asked to be very honest about who they are and what they really think their skills are. And people have said... Well, let me put it this way. We have folks here uh, like Marty Loken. Yeah. How do you teach Marty Loken anything? Because he's so experienced. Well, you can. Marty Loken can learn a lot because Marty Loken wants to learn more. I'm an experienced sailor, but I'm expecting by my uh, involvement in the academies to learn even more than I know now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm open. And I think yeah. folks here, that's the tone we've set. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's easy to, uh, maybe I'm speaking for me personally, with small boats, which I've got a couple small boats I use, to have kind of an attitude of casualness, uh, where you're, maybe you're not doing a big adventure with your small boat, and you're not as prepared as you would be mentally or physically for a bigger boat and a bigger adventure. You know, you just kind of assume small boat, small adventure, how could I get in trouble kind of thing. Uh, but you really need to prepare uh, same as you would for a bigger adventure. Is that right? That's a great insight, Dan, because, you know, here, uh, well, let me roll back. I just came in from Cedar Key, Florida, and I look at the world this way when I am thinking about going out sailing. I start here. Am I looking at warm water and warm air, or warm water and cold air, or cold water and warm air, or a cold air and warm water? That's where I start. And then I start to prepare myself for that. So it's really irrelevant in a way. Personally, I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Whether I'm going to set out for a month or I'm going to set out for an afternoon day sail, the water here is 48 degrees. Yeah. In Florida, we had warm water, warm air. So things can still go wrong, but the window of opportunity to save yourself is greater. Yeah. But here in Port Townsend, I was on the phone with, we were on the phone all the time, Josh Colvin and I, and he said, boy, you must be really excited to be coming to Port Townsend. And I said, absolutely, but I have a lot of anxiety because of the temperature of the water. And so that's why today we were very uh, focused on everyone's boat. And the sailors here who were so open to having us come aboard their boats and kind of together we discussed fittings and rusted bolts or loose rudder fittings or your sails seem to be blown out and all I can say is I felt a little you know skeptical that they might be insulted but the opposite was true they were so thankful that we were being that careful because we're going to have some wind here looks like we're going to have Port Townsend weather it's going to start raining and we're going to have wind okay and in Florida we had serious wind we had four days of uh, 27 to 30 with gusts above a group of beginners the end of that four days everybody had gone out and done what i call stress jive routines i did some coaching at the u.s naval academy and we used to do that so we had folks out i beached all the boats it was too windy and we only used one and that was the scamp because the scamp I did the capsize testing. I came back to Port Townsend and did the capsize testing out here uh, in March uh, a year ago. And um, we did that in very cold weather and high wind. And I understand the boat. And uh, 
I understand it. I understood it from when I first saw it. It's a very safe boat. There are a number of reasons why. So we took beginners. Uh, I went out with each person in 30 knots of wind. Uh, I mean, absolute rank beginners. And they were doing jibe, 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 tack around, spin around in a circle, jibe, jibe, jibe. All did it successfully. Wow. And then we went off on a three-day cruise because each academy is four days, followed by a three-day cruise to sort of test these new skills that everyone's acquired. Yeah. And we had we built confidence. I think that's what the net result oh, was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a great that experience. That is awesome. Yeah. I wish I was attending, Howard. <laughs> well, stop on by. I'll get your hair wet, okay? Yeah. Well, you know, we did... Um, some folks want to learn how to capsize their boat, but uh, I had to make a hard decision here. I was going to uh, rent some dry suits, but I've elected not to do that. The water's too cold, so I'm going to demonstrate capsizing uh, when okay. the wind pipes up. Okay. Yeah, I'll go out and get cold again. <laughs> <laughs> you actually enjoy that? Well, not really. Uh, someone, someone wrote to the magazine and said, you know, what in the world? Why would this guy come out and sail scamp for an assessment and uh, I think at the wind chill factor was 10 degrees above zero and I went out it was snowing and I camped aboard but I would have preferred 70 degree weather yeah yeah but if someone's thoughtful and they prepare anyone can go out in any kind of weather in my, is in my opinion if yeah. you're really thoughtful about it so here uh, it's going to be cold and I'm not really looking forward to getting in the water but I'll do it yeah <laughs> So the class is four days, and you do a three-day sail after that? Right. Okay. Uh, not everybody can stay for the three-day sail. I think out of our uh, our participants, only four people are leaving. Uh, you know, life is life. They've got jobs. But yeah. uh, it's four days of about half classroom, half on the water. And then we set off next Thursday for a cruise, either around Marrowstone or simply up into Killeset, Mystery Bay. And uh, we'll camp out for two nights. People will stay aboard their boats or on the beach. And uh, they'll practice anchoring techniques, beaching techniques, and it's all teaching. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sailing along with my other fellow instructors. We'll go on different boats different days, and we'll actually do the hands-on of what folks have learned in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. It's a unique concept. So yeah. far, so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what does a class cost, Howard? The class is $375. Wow. So, that's a bargain. I know. Um, I feel it is, yeah. and uh, I'm happy to do it yeah. uh, because I kind of think it's important, yeah. and to me it's very enjoyable. Yeah. It gets me away from my real job, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So uh, you said the next class is uh, at, in the Great Lakes? Is that what the next said? class is on the Straits of Mackinac, which okay. is between the lower and upper peninsula, a notoriously windy, rough place, and uh, I know those waters well. Uh, we have uh, 23 participants for that, um, and then I'm coming back to Port Townsend uh, in July. We'll be in Rockport, Texas, okay. another windy place. But mm-hmm. in August, we'll be back here to do a, an, an academy, sort of in conjunction with the Wooden Boat Festival. But before that, which which is very interesting and something that's just come up is the marriage between the Northwest Maritime Center and the Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building. Uh, they're going to put together what's called a SCAMP camp. It's a build. The SCAMP is a boat that you can either buy now as a glass boat from Gig Harbor Boatworks. You can buy a plan set and build it yourself, or you can buy a kit that's cut here in Port Townsend by Turning Point Design. 
Well, most folks build or buy the plans, a number of them buy the kits. And so the designer, John Wellsford, a friend of mine, is flying in from New Zealand. And John and I, and Scott, and a fellow named Jason from here, the two organizations are collaborating together. And we're going to build a number of scamps downstairs here over a 10-day period. And then a number of those folks are going to move right into the academy. And John Wellsford will be co-facilitating co-facilitating that academy with me. But during the build, they'll get hands-on building skills, and in the evenings, we're going to go out sailing and do some seamanship work and, and actually be sailing scamp number one so they can sail the boat, they can observe the boat that they're constructing and kind of see how everything goes together and how it handles. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty unique package. Yeah. And it was, it's been the work of Pete Leanhouse, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Colvin, and others. I'm just coming in to help out. So yeah, very cool. I have a minor role. Those are the people that are really making it happen. When does that start, Aaron? That starts, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's August 6th okay. and goes for 10 days. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there are a limited number of spots. I know that as of today, a number of the spots have filled. I don't know how many, but yeah. we hope to... I think get 12 or 15 people here and maybe build three or four boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like Very that. Cool. Yeah, I think it's a neat thing. I'm excited about it. I'm going to learn a lot and I'm yeah. going to be able to teach a lot. Yeah, yeah. very good. So um, I really appreciate you joining me for the podcast today. Sure. Yeah, it's a pleasure meeting you, Howard. Any parting comments for our listeners today? Get a small boat and get out of the water. There's, there's no future in not doing that. So Okay, very good. But thank you very much, Dan. All right, thanks. Great. Right. You bet. Okay, I'm back with Howard here. We're doing a little addendum to the recording. Howard, uh, tell us about the uh, Small Craft Skills Academy, how if somebody's interested in that, what they would do, and so on. Oh, well, thanks, Dan. Uh, the Small Craft Skills Academy uh, information can be had online. Uh, If you have a computer, it's very simple. You can just type in Small Craft Academy, or you can type in smallcraftacademy.com. Small Craft Academy being one word. Okay. Okay. And so they can go there and all the registration information, Everything is on there. Everything. Right. How many more classes are scheduled this year? Uh, Let's see. We have five more classes this year, and we've already booked a schedule for next year. We have a request from Finland. We have a request from Portsmouth, England. There very well will be one in uh, on Lake Biwa in Kyoto, Japan. Uh, we've booked for uh, the Sail Havasu event in February at Lake Havasu, which, by the way, is a superb small boat event. I maybe the best in the country. Really? Uh, the I think it's the first or second week of uh, February every year. Mm-hmm. About 300 small boats and people get together. Mm-hmm. So we're going to integrate an academy there. Next April, Cedar Key, Florida. We'll be back here in Port Townsend again next May. So be great to hear from folks. Wow, this thing is exploding. That is I, pretty I wouldn't quite say exploding, but you know, it's. I, I you know what, Dan? It's, I, it's I, taken off. I don't know what to think about it. Uh, yeah. It's very funny. Last fall, when uh, John Wellsford and uh, I were standing at the Small Craft Advisor booth and we put out the flyers for the first time. Someone said, well, what do you think? And I said, I think if we got three or four people for each, it'd be a great success. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I need to clone myself. Yeah. <laughs> you may have to quit your day job to do this. Right. The governor of Pompeii would be very disappointed. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks a lot, Howard. You're welcome, Dan. Okay. 
Thanks, Howard, for doing that interview. That was great to meet you and get together and talk about boats and some of your adventures. And I wish the best to you and your future endeavor for 2013. And I look forward to finding out more details about that as it gets closer to the event. And I look forward to seeing you in August at the SCAMP class. I'm planning on coming over there and doing a couple interviews, and I'm sure we'll be able to connect then. Next week, you'll want to tune in again, folks. I'm going to play an interview with Josh Colvin. He's the publisher of the Small Craft Advisor magazine. Josh was originally into surfboards down in California, and he started doing some boating with bigger boats, and he liked small boats much better, and he realized there wasn't really any magazines around dedicated to small craft, so he started this magazine, I believe, 10 years ago or so. So Josh is going to talk about that, and he's also going to talk about the scamp, which was one of his uh, brainchilds that he took to John Wellsford in New Zealand, who John took those ideas and concepts and put them into a design. So please tune in again for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have fun every week here at Hooked on Wooden Boats. How could you not have fun talking about wooden boats? I mean, wow, it's... Uh, if I didn't have to work, I'd be cranking on wooden boats all the time. <laughs> if you'd like to support the show a little bit, you can go to my website to the resources page. Click on any Amazon product there. That'll take you to the Amazon website. And if you make a purchase of anything on Amazon, I get paid a small commission. Likewise, if you go to my homepage on my website and you click on the Jamestown Distributors link on the top right that takes you to their store they've got all kinds of marine supplies and boat building supplies if you make a purchase there i get paid a small commission and that i uh, would love it if you would do that just a way to support me and uh, give me some feedback about the show well i guess that's about it for this week it's wednesday evening i gotta get this thing cranked out and get the blog set up so I can publish it on Thursday. I haven't missed a Thursday yet. Well, actually, I did once because I published a day early. I think that was during Thanksgiving last year. But anyway, I'm uh, going to get this thing published. I hope you enjoy it. Please email and give me some feedback. Uh, Dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com Have a great week. Get out on the water. Work on your wooden boat. If you don't have one, buy one. If you don't want to buy one, build one. If you don't want to buy one or build one, borrow one. If you don't want to borrow one, then rent one. There's all kinds of ways to get on a wooden boats. Anyway, have a great week. Keep the sunny side up and the barnacled side down. Wooden Boat Dan over and out.